Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Greetings and a very warm welcome. Thank you for tuning into by the word of their testimony. This is a program where we share the life journeys of people just like you and me and how through challenges and trials and opportunities and the providences of God, their lives have been impacted for good and for God's glory. In the studio today with me, I have a very special guest, Lindy Sparing. Lindy, welcome. Thank you. It's very nice to have you in the studio. Now, I'm not a stranger to your testimony because quite often with these testimonies, the first time I hear the testimonies when people tell it. Now, there will be elements of, of course, that I am not familiar with. But I did watch a YouTube clip after a friend of mine said, you want to hear this testimony? This lady's going to be up in New South Wales in your vicinity around August. And once you've watched the testimony, let me know and I can organize for her to come in and see you at 3ABN Studios. <laughs> so, Lindy, it's very good that you're up here. Are you holidaying? What are you doing up here? Yes, we're just taking a break and we're up here visiting family and friends. In fact, Glenn has an aunt who's 105 and we're going to go and visit her. She is 105 years old. Well, praise the Lord. And she's still doing okay? Not too bad. Not, Not too, too bad. bad for 105 Not considering. Not too bad for 105. Yeah, no, three score and 10. And some people through strength of life, mm. obviously, and also having the right attitude, do very well. Mm. It's 105. But praise God. Did she get a letter from the Queen? She's had a few letters from the Queen. <laughs> and I think she's even been interviewed on 3ABN. Has she really? Mm. Oh, I'll have to go look back in the archives. I'll talk to John and Rosemary Malkovich. They'll no doubt know They'll about know. it, and they were probably the ones that would have interviewed her. So, Lindy, you're you're from Victoria. What do you do there? I, I grew up in Victoria, but I currently am working as a chaplain in aged care for okay. the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I've been there nearly three years, and I really love my job. Mm, wonderful. So which elements, I mean, a job like that would be very challenging, and I guess there'd be a variety of things, but dealing with, with elderly people, and obviously God encourages us to respect the elderly and that, what elements of the job is it that really appeals to you? I think just being with people, I really like people. Okay, people like, person. Yes, I think that I am a people person. And in the role, there's a lot of different aspects to the role. We need to organize spiritual programs and worships each week. We are there to visit residents and to encourage them and Mm. to have devotionals with them. And probably the greatest privilege is to walk with people during their final days. Mm. And while it has its challenges, it's also very rewarding and very powerful. Amen. Yeah, I guess at times, you know, there would be some emotional aspects to your to your work, especially if you're dealing with people in their last days or if people who have passed away, you know, have to help with, you know, whatever the issues are between the family and so forth. And uh, I don't know, do you ever get asked to, to take funerals? or? Yes. Part of my role or a big part of my role is to support the families and mm. the resident when their time has come and to sometimes just be there, just having my presence in the room, 
perhaps helping to organise some nice music or saying a prayer with them. Sometimes I sing, sometimes I'm encouraging them reading scripture Mm. and with the family just to listen, just to come alongside of them, perhaps to share anecdotal stories about their loved ones and to share how their loved one may have impacted my life or the life of other staff. So Mm. it is a great privilege and there are times where I've been required to take a funeral and it can be very challenging. Sure. But I think it's also a great privilege and a blessing to share such a sacred time of a person's life. Mm, and also to share the hope that we have in, in Jesus of the resurrection. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So that's wonderful. So I, I guess that would be quite draining at times when you've got to give so much of your emotional energy, you know, and obviously there's the spiritual component as well. Uh, is that why you need to take a holiday every now and then? <laughs> that's probably why we're up here at the moment, <laughs> okay. just having a bit of a break and just sort of rejuvenating. We need time away from emotional stresses just so that we can stay strong and mm. stay well and balanced in what we do. Very important. And even Jesus said to disciples, come aside and rest a while. So very important. He even right. did that with his own disciples. So praise God for that. So you're living in Victoria. Are you from Victoria originally? Yes, I was born and raised in Victoria, spent all my life there, and I was born into a family of New Adventists. My parents okay. became New Adventists just before they married, and I was born about probably seven years after they became Seventh-day Adventists. Okay, right. So a, a good Adventist, uh, a good, good exposure to the Bible and Adventist beliefs and, and doctrines at, at an early age? Yes, I think so. I think my parents being new Adventists, they perhaps had some things that they were learning as they went. But hmm. we had... As we all do, yeah. We, we had Uncle Arthur's bedtime stories in the oh, home nice. and we kept Sabbath and I can remember keeping the Sabbaths and going to church and just having lots of friends from church, going to a little church in Montalbert as a child. and mm. it, So overall you would yeah. rate it as quite a positive Christian influences um, in your life? Absolutely, mm. absolutely. I suppose things changed quite dramatically, though, when I was about 12 and my parents separated. Mm-hmm. In those days, not many people had broken homes, so all of my friends, generally speaking, still came from solid family backgrounds but my family had some fairly serious traumas and mm. issues and problems and then my mother took us three children and we we left dad right i really admire both my parents and love them very much they mm. always taught us to respect the other person and mum would always encourage us you know it's dad's birthday or it's father's day and make sure you contact him and we used to visit regularly and there were some difficult yeah. times, but we stayed We stayed a fairly mm. as cohesive as you can sure. under the circumstances. And look, that's a very important element, I think, in society that a lot of people have lost sight of, is that honouring your father and your mother. It doesn't say that you've got to honour your father and your mother if they are always saintly. It's we honour your father and mother regardless. It's the first commandment with a promise that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God gives you. That's right. That's Mm. right. And I do value that. And I value that I can have a very positive relationship with my parents. So they did give us a good Good grounding. Good grounding. But I was the only person who stayed in the church. Everybody stopped going to church. My younger brother, my younger sister and my parents Mm. left each other in the church. So that 
That was an interesting time for me. Right, at the age of 12. Well, okay. So uh, are the elements uh, at the age of 12 that sort of stand in your mind that you're able to share with our listener out there uh, in regards to things that impacted your life? I think for me, if I'm really honest, I wanted to keep going to church for friendship Hmm. and some sort of stability. Yes. You know, being home, being unstable, I needed some sort of stability. Thankfully, my parents had put me through Seventh-day Adventist education, both primary and secondary, Hmm. and they were supportive of that. And so many of my friends from school were my friends from church. So I kept going to church by myself. And it was I was about 14 years old when I came forward for baptism and mm. I got baptised in a swimming pool at okay. the Basin Youth Camp. And I found that there were many pastors who actually positively influenced my life. Mm. Some of them have gone now, Pastor yes. Price. Pastor Bruce Price? Bruce Price. Okay. Um, he baptised me, Bob Possingham. Pastor Bob, I know Pastor Bob too, yeah. Yeah. Pastor Tony Campbell was our pastor at Nutterwadding, a very godly mm. man. Pastor Ed Tottenhofer, who just passed away recently, okay. and Merv Sparrowhawk, who passed away recently. Right. And so I found that Seventh-day Adventist pastors had a big impact on my life. They were interested in me. They were willing to counsel me, talk with me, mm. um, influence my life. And so I was able to keep maintaining my relationship with the church even though I was attending by myself. Okay, so none of the family, you were by yourself. So that's from the age of about 12, 14 years onwards. Yes. Okay. Mm. So you're going through education in, in, the, in the church schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you mentioned all the positive influences there, and we praise God for positive godly role models. Was there any influences that may have been more secular in nature or that may have affected your life, you know, uh, in a long-term sense? Because, I mean, I, I grew up and went through Adventist education as well, mm-hmm. and my education, there was very good spiritual and positive influence, but at the same time, there was also a lot of secular influences in my in my life, um, which I just thought was a normal part of Christianity, but later in life I discovered that these things were actually distractions for me. I think there was a normal distractions of young girls wanting to wear the latest fashions sure. and we had skinheads in those days and hippies mm. and all sorts of distractions. I think there was also the distraction of boys, boys, boys. Okay. And I know that growing up in primary and secondary there there were often times I was thinking about this boy or that boy mm. and looking for something, always looking for something outside of myself. Right, okay. So although you had a Christian upbringing, you going through the Christian, um, I guess, lifestyle and Christian culture, if I can call it that, mm-hmm. there was still something missing in your life? Is that what you're sort of suggesting? Absolutely. Uh, as I look back, I can see as a teenager I was suffering from depression quite, quite mm. badly. And I would spend a lot of time in a sad state of mind, you know, even when I was out with my friends, I might pull aside and I was probably thinking about things that were negative and thinking if I had that boy or if this happened in my life, then everything would be all right. But Mm. so there were those distractions and some of my friends were trying alcohol and drugs and sex, I suppose, and things like that. I wasn't particularly involved in any of those things, but I was aware of them on the peripheral of my upbringing. But deep down inside, there was this this longing, this this sadness in me as a teenager. Mm. 
Mm. I don't know how many people out there listening can relate to that, but I sure can. I went through similar experiences, and I never knew what it was. Mm. Always sad, always looking for something. And I had a fascination with having the right kind of girlfriend who would be able to give me the love and attention that I that I was craving. Mm. Mm. And it's not until many years later that I finally tasted the Lord, and I didn't even know it was an offer. I didn't realize how good a relationship with the Lord could be, uh, that I actually woke up to what I was desiring in my life and what was missing. It's amazing, Eddie, and... It was in my late teenage years that I I can remember being out somewhere and I must have had a book with me and there was a quote from Ellen White and this quote says, No sparrow falls without his care. No soul bows low, but Jesus knows. Mm. For he is with us everywhere and marks each bitter tear that flows. And he will never, never, never forsake the soul that trusts him ever. Mm. And that quote, for some reason, I learnt it off by heart and I can say it without reading it and I've written it on people's cards and it was like the Lord opened just some beginning to really understanding who he was Mm. but it was many many years before I really understood okay many years so uh, how many years obviously we want to close the gap between you you say you're middle to late teenage years now that you read that quote Mm -hmm. so how many years subsequent from that before we step back a little bit uh, was it before you actually really discovered how much God loves you and how much he cares for you. For it to be totally revealed in my life, it's probably been in about in my late 40s. So wow. it took a long time. It yeah. took a long time. Amazing. So I had, we... and, and I can explain why. Yes, I, I yes, know please. why. It's because I was believing things that aren't true. Mm. So I was believing things about God that weren't true, mm. you know, that he was judgmental and that he was watching out to make sure I didn't do anything wrong. I grew up in an era of the church where I think a lot of the law was pushed forward. Mm. You know, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that and you shouldn't be doing this. And somehow I didn't grasp the truth of who God is and that he loves us and he Mm. desires Mm. us and he's not willing that any should perish. It did take a long time and perhaps because of the emotional traumas from my childhood and that depression that was in my teenage years actually extended right through uh, an earlier marriage that didn't last long and mm. into my marriage now that has lasted a long time, thank the Lord. It was this depression and this wrong thinking. I, I would look in the mirror and think bad things about myself. If anything went wrong, I blamed myself. Mm. Everything was your fault, Lindy. You've mucked up. You've caused this relationship not to be working. And so there was all this wrong thinking that took hold of my life. And I became very, very depressed and actually had a suicide attempt in my 30s, which is not something that's easy to talk about. But my mind had been so filled with lies from the enemy, and I hadn't even recognized it. I didn't realize. Mm. It's quite interesting that the devil doesn't care which way he has you. Some people are totally unconscious. Their social intelligence is quite low, and they don't take any responsibility for any of their actions. And you get people who are quite conscientious, and then they take all the responsibility, which isn't right either. Mm. Mm. So, And that's you got to a state there where it just became too much. It just became too much, and I had got involved in in 
thinking that was that other people could fulfil my needs and and Mm. make me to be the person I needed to be. And it was wrong thinking. And it was a sad time. It was a distressing time. But, you know, I can see that God was with me all through that. Yes. It's very difficult at times when you've got mental illness to get the right sort of help. Mm. For some reason, people don't always recognise that mental illness in you. And they can get quite angry with you because you're trying to explain something or you're behaving in a certain way. Mm. It can be, for some, they they self-harm. I wasn't necessarily doing that, but I was harming myself with my thinking more so than physically. And in my relationships with others, I was had high expectations and became judgmental. And so... It was very difficult to get the right sort of help. But God mm. God had his hand over me. He let me go through some tough times. Yes. He let me go through times where people abused me. Mm. Many, many times I was abused and yelled at. But he, he was there beside me. If I look back, I can say, Lord, you were there. Mm. And I remember I spent some time with a psychiatrist, a very high up in his field, who'd known a lot about Seventh-day Adventists. And he had me seeing him every week and I was on medication for a while and then one day I just knew that I never needed to see him again I said Lord will you continue my healing and he said Mm. yes and I went to this man and I took him a gift and he didn't believe that I was anywhere near to that stage he said oh no you'll be back you'll be back I never Mm. went back because God took over from then on and it was a journey Mm. when you've believed for so long things that aren't true about God and yourself it's quite a journey yeah so you st- you struggled with um, mental illness in regards to depression from teenage years. Yes. And you were saying other people struggled to identify it in you. How old were you before you realised that you actually had depression? Probably in my 30s, about the time when I was suicidal, mm. it was diagnosed as clinical depression. I walked into my GP and I read something on the wall and I go, I've got all the symptoms of that. Wow. I've got depression and I didn't really realise. So yeah. I had to see it written and it related back so clearly to my own experience. Yeah. I realised I was suffering with depression. Incredible. Yeah, I've gone through about a depression as well for seven years, matter of fact, but there were symptoms even in my earlier childhood that I didn't recognise. Mm. It's not until recently I actually discovered, but yeah, depression way back then, you just didn't know it. Mm. And it was a Neil Nedley program. We have Dr. Neil Nedley on 3ABN every now and then. Yes. Um, I could tick all the boxes for, for depression. When I went mm. through the program, mm. yeah, incredible. It's very common nowadays too. Hmm. Mm. Depression is very common nowadays. Yes. Yeah, isn't that incredible? Very sad. As many people have some elements of it, and may not realise, and others they know they've got it, and they're not sure how to get help. Yes. That's true. So. And dear listener, uh, we uh, often put our uh, contact details on on our programs, and we will uh, towards the end of the program. So if you're suffering from depression and you need help and you're not sure what to do, you're welcome to contact us here, and we can give you some information to help you out or to perhaps provide you the next steps you need to take to to get some help. Mm. So sorry, Lindy, uh, continue with your story. I'm finding it interesting. So what happens is in, in your 30s, because obviously you desperately need some help now. This is quite serious stuff when you, you get to the point where you think it's not worth living anymore. Uh, what happens from there? I might just add that I think there was some form of postnatal depression after having two children that probably wasn't recognised. So when I knew that God was going to guide me, he started to show me that my thinking was wrong. It had never really occurred to me that my thinking was wrong. And 
I started to recognise too that the thoughts that I would sometimes have were not God's thoughts for me. They were the enemy's thoughts. He was mm. saying to me, you're no good. Everything's your fault. You're, you're stupid. You're the one who's causing all the conflicts here. You're the one with the problem. And I started to realise that, that that wasn't true. I also realised that some days I'd wake up feeling a bit out of sorts and sad and I'd think, but nothing's changed from yesterday. Hmm. So it's not circumst- It's not about my circumstances. Right. It's actually about my thinking. Hmm. And I started to recognise that the enemy had been putting all these thoughts into my head and trying to control me from that aspect so because you, it was it was diminishing my witness it was diminishing my ability to bless others it was making me a difficult person to be with mm. so you you became aware of this and the fact that circumstances hadn't changed you just gone to sleep and wake up and then you feel sad was this after you enlisted under god to say god i will now you be my therapist please yes okay. yes he started to show me Praise God. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's able to do that with everybody. We, of course, don't tell people to walk away from their therapy, but God convicted you at the right time that it was time to move on yes. and that you could continue your therapy with him. And without any medication. I went off oh, the medication. Okay. I didn't go off it quickly. I studied, apart from administration roles, I studied natural therapies for four mm. years. And so I didn't want to be on anything of a drug. So sure. I, I weaned myself off gradually. Mm. But I was also mindful that if I got into a bad place again, yes. that I may need to go back Get on it. Get help again. Yes, and sure. I think there I think are times, yes, yeah, yeah. some people perhaps need to take medication all their lives because they have a, a physiological issue. So, mm, mm. But for me, I was able to go off that. And, and I started to learn more about health and looking after my body, not eating as much, um, uh, exercising, fresh air, sunshine. I started to learn more of those things that God wants us to do and to look after ourselves. Mm, isn't it incredible that the things that uh, help us so much are the natural things? And quite often people sort of put aside, look, that's not a, a drug, that's not going to help me. But all these natural things have an incredible impact on, on our mental and physical well-being and spiritual well-being as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. So after I'd been walking with the Lord for quite a while, I knew there was probably still something missing, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. Yes. And a very interesting experience happened to me while I was traveling to work one day. At this period of time, I was working in Ad- Adventist schools. Okay. And, you know, I had a wonderful role with students and I did accounts and international students, taking them down to Phillip Island to see the penguins and other things. So I had hmm. had a really good role. I really enjoyed it. But I was driving to school one day and my son was in the car and I lost the use of my left side. Oh. So I, I managed to pull the car into a safe area and my son, I couldn't, because I couldn't use my left side, my son was able to change the gears. He was only 15 and we called my husband, and when he saw me, he thought that I'd had a stroke yes. because the whole left side was drooping and I couldn't use it. Hmm. So he sent me off to hospital, and and that was the beginning of two years of very difficult time in our lives. So I was in and out of hospital. I'd have these sort of left-side episodes. They couldn't find that I'd had a stroke. And then a few days so after the, that... So the left-side paralysis, did that come and go, or did it stay with you over the two-year period? It would stay come and go to varying degrees Mm. it would come and go but a few days later 
I had the first of a series of seizures, which I'd never had seizures. Yeah. And I, I read up on it. I, I remember trying to type a letter to the principal to say I wasn't well and and I found it difficult to type. I, mm. I couldn't get the words out. So it the the consequences or the outcome of it seemed to be like a stroke, but in reality they couldn't find anything in my brain that indicated a stroke. Okay. So and sometimes that can happen. And then the seizures and I had to be checked for epilepsy and again they said, You don't have epilepsy even though you are responding to the same stimulus. So bright lights or too much noise or ambulance sounds, I would start to shake mm. and haven't it looked exactly like an epileptic fit. Wow. And this went on for two years, and it was very, very difficult and and confronting for my family. Yes, it would be so. They they do a, obviously they check your brain to see if there's any brain bleeds there because that's basically what a stroke that's is. Right. So there's mm. nothing there. No. They check for the epilepsy. There's there's nothing there. There was no firing off in no. the brain. Yes. Yeah, so they. Medical science can't explain what you are going through at the moment, although the symptoms are there. The symptoms are there, but there was no answer. Connection to the cause and effect kind of a uh, model. And while in some ways I was thankful not to have had those serious illnesses, Mm. we didn't know what was causing it. I remember once being in a hospital and I'd just um, had a very bad seizure Mm. and I couldn't speak. I was stammering. And one of the nurses came in, and this was uh, a Catholic hospital in the city, St. Vincent's. She yes. came in, and she started singing a hymn with me, and I I could sing. I couldn't speak. I kept stammering, but I could sing with her. Wow. And it was so beautiful that we were able to sing together. Mm. And she was telling me that she was a Pentecostal, and she uh, wanted to you know, minister to me in some ways. And she said, oh, I've got some really great books that I want to give you. Hmm. And I thought, well, actually, I had some books there I wanted to give her. <laughs> okay. But here's this faithful nurse, this, this mm. Christian nurse, this Pentecostal nurse. And at this time, I was so distressed. Lord, what's going on in my life? I can't live like this. I want to work. I want to go home. I want to look after my children, my husband. And I wasn't able to do those things easily. And so the Lord... This woman came with these books and she handed me a copy, a hard copy, of The Desire of Ages. Really? A Pentecostal lady gives you the book, The Desire of Ages? And when she gave me that book, I knew that God hadn't forsaken me. I knew that he would bring me healing Mm. and he hadn't just left me because we didn't know what to do. It was a very difficult time. I can imagine. Look, I'm, sh- I'm sure that there's a, a diagnosis of exactly what happened and what caused all these things in your, in your testimony somewhere. And what we'll do is straight after the break, we'll come back to hear more about Lindy Sparing and her testimony. So, dear listener, we're just going to take a short break now, and we'll be right back after this short message. Stay tuned.
visit 3abnaustralia.org.au to purchase this CD, Near to the Heart, which includes this song, The Old Rugged Cross, played by Henry Higgins. Welcome back to By the Word of Their Testimony. And my special guest in the studio today is Lindy Sparing, who's sharing her testimony. And just before the break, you were sharing, Lindy, about the fact that you'd thought you'd had a stroke, but when they checked that there was no symptoms of any bleeding in the brain, so it couldn't be a stroke, but yet you had paralysis from time to time down your left side, I think you were saying. That's right. And then also subsequent to that, you started having seizures, which appear to be epilepsy, but when they did the test for that, you didn't have any epilepsy either. So I guess like some of the listeners listening to your testimony, I'm curious as to, did you finally find out what was wrong? Well, the doctors weren't able to find anything and they treated me with the typical epilepsy drugs. I put on weight. They made me sluggish. They didn't Mm. work. So we went off the drugs again. And we tried natural doctors and they thought I had intolerance to gluten. And there were all sorts of different aspects to physiologically seeking what was wrong with me. Mm. I remember one particular Sabbath, and this was towards the end of this whole terrible period that I was home alone and I had some very, very violent seizures. And I remember saying to my husband when he came home from church, I said, Glenn, something's trying to kill me. Mm. My throat was being choked. It was like I was being choked to death. These were some of the worst seizures that I'd had, some of them. Mm. And we started to realize that there was a strong spiritual aspect to this. Yes, there was physiological Mm. because of um, the way a woman's body works. There was emotional because of some of the trauma that I'd suffered perhaps during growing up years and wrong beliefs that I had. Mm. And But there was a strong spiritual aspect. And for us, that was a bit of a surprise and we weren't really sure what to do about that. Sure. And at this point in time, you'd actually already enlisted under the Lord's guidance for him to be your therapist with your depression and that. So how many years are we talking about now subsequent to, I guess, your your baptism and conversion? I guess you would call it conversion at some stage through there, or was there, were there deeper levels of conversion all the way through your experience up to this point in time? Once the Lord started taking over my healing, it didn't happen straight away, which is okay. interesting. Yes. You know, we see that when Jesus, he worked miracles here uh, of healing and restoring people, but many of them probably also went on to walk in that healing. Mm. So in a sense, I'd, I'd experienced some healing, but I needed to learn to walk in it. And so God was showing me my wrong thinking. He was showing me that there were areas of my life that I needed to repent of and confess. And he also led me to a greater understanding through an independent ministry about deliverance. Okay. And I didn't really know much about deliverance at all. Mm. And I'd been involved in prayer ministry for many years and very passionate about it and written some prayer journals. And yet there were so many things that I didn't know or understand at all. I was able to come to understand that I needed to be delivered and set free. Mm. It's always a hard testimony to tell. Yes. I cannot ever tell it without getting a little bit emotional. But it came about that there was one particular evening that we invited an elder from her ch- our church and her husband to come. And we, we actually took communion together. 
it's funny, I'd been raised in the Adventist church and go to communion at church, but I hadn't thought you could do it yourself at mm. home. And so okay. we, we took communion together and we were singing and praising God and um, how great is our God, that beautiful song, how great mm. is our God. And the Holy Spirit just showed up in this room with the four of us. And in the way that he showed up, I started to have seizures. We mm. didn't understand that about binding down the enemy's work at that time because we were just new and asking the Lord to guide us. But during that hour or two of ministry of them praying and my husband was there and they were on their knees and tears, I was delivered and set free mm, from praise f- the Lord. Five, um, five demons that of, of bitterness and resentment, um, ungodly sexuality and even... One, the occult, and it, which seems strange to us. And the enemy spoke out through me during this session, and I was choking. And But once they were gone, once we'd fought that battle and the spirit had been there, my left side recovered. I, I felt lighter. I felt free. Mm. I felt incredible compared to what I'd been. In the lead up to this too, God had shown me some areas of my life that I needed to repent and confess. Mm. He'd shown me about my wrong thinking. He'd shown me about things that I'd done and attitudes that I'd had and this continually looking outside of myself for someone else to fulfill me when really it was the Holy Spirit who wanted to fill me. Yes, amen. As you look back, you can see this this journey moving along, but I didn't fully understand that there was even more that the Lord had. Mm. So at that time... I was delivered and set free, but the enemy tried to come back quite a few times. He wasn't happy to leave. He felt that he'd had control of my life Mm. for some time. And in a sense, may I say, Etienne, it wasn't that I was possessed perhaps like the Gadarean man, but somehow the enemy was able to get into my life through some entry point. And until I learned to walk solidly with the Word and with the Lord... You know, there's a text in Jeremiah 17, 14. It says, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved, for Mm. you are my praise. And that text is on the end of all my emails. I have received an email from you, and I've read that text every time (laughs) I've looked at your email. Beautiful text, beautiful promise. It's a beautiful promise. And it also says in Psalms, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Mm who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases. And I came to understand that God didn't want me physically sick. He didn't want me emotionally sick. He didn't want me spiritually sick. He wanted me well and healed and set free from all the works of the enemy. Mm, amen. So, wow, that's that's a remarkable testimony. And what makes it more remarkable is um, you have to go through this journey in your life for quite a while before you actually realize that there's something there that is influencing your life and wants to take control of you from time to time. And then at one stage you discover, well, there's something trying to kill you. Mm. And can you is there a correlation between you becoming more connected with God and also the enemy then turning on you personally? Because at one stage it sounded like the enemy was sort of trying to work with you but kill you in a different way because of the, the thinking and also possibly because of the suicide attempt and, and so forth. Is, have you got any thoughts around that? I, I think you're right, Eddie. And the enemy, he wanted to dest- he likes to destroy all of us. Hmm. He's seeking whom he may devour. Yes. You know, he's like a roaring lion. And he'll come at different people in different ways. Hmm. The battle for me was that there was an aspect of me that – loved the Lord and wanted to 
be a Seventh-day Adventist, be a Christian. And yes. But then there, there was this other part that was fighting within me. And as I was trying to ask the Lord to forgive me and understanding that I needed forgiveness and, and being set free, the enemy was trying to destroy my testimony. He didn't want me to be set free and tell this testimony. Mm. Eddie, and let me tell you, even before coming here today, yes. I've been under attack the last few days. I didn't even recognize it till this morning. Oh, really? And I just got on my knees and I said, Lord, banish him. Mm. Banish him because In Jesus this, name. Yeah. this testimony is a testimony of of what God wants to do for all of us in mm. different ways. Not mm. everybody has the same issues that I've had, but he wants us all to be set free and set upon a solid rock. Amen. And to have victory. Yeah, and God has given his believers, his followers, power and authority over devils. And we by faith can claim that through the word of God. And um, you've obviously done that in your own life. And I, I assume there's people also that who've gone through similar experiences now because you've gone through that. You're able to help them as well. Sometimes when I take a, a service, because I do some lay preaching, mm. I'll share my testimony. Not always, but sometimes. In fact, it took two years, I might add, before I could even share it. It was so... So two years struggle with the symptoms of epilepsy and the symptoms no, of... two years to get the courage. <laughs> uh, uh, subsequent to the deliverance. Yeah, two years to get the courage to share mm. it because it was a little confronting for some people. Some people find it a little bit... Overwhelming, and they can't understand. But you were a Seventh-day Adventist. You were a Christian. Why did you have these issues? And yes, I said, yes. "Well, you know, I had had some bitterness in my heart. There were sometimes I would be gossiping about others, and sometimes I would be perhaps not as respectful of those in authority in the church. Mm. You know, God had to change a lot of my thinking and behaviours and attitudes. And praise God, He has. And it's all about Him. Mm. It's all about Him. It's not about me. And so there have been people that will come to us and say, oh, look, I think I've had a similar issue. Um, we would like to talk to you about it. And so we now have a, a prayer ministry where people okay. come to us mm. and we are able to pray. And we were able to teach them and show them, you know, in Luke, Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free, preach deliverance to the captives, he says, to yes. preach deliverance. Yeah. So in other words, the truth is what sets us free. Amen. Yeah, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's yeah. right. That's right. Mm. And once we know that, and the enemy doesn't want us to know the truth. He doesn't no. want to know, us to know the scriptures. It says in Timothy Chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound oh mind. Mm. God does not want his people suffering with depression and anxieties and fears and bitterness and in any way bound by the enemy. Mm. Because Jesus did all that on the cross to set us free. Amen. Yeah. He gained the victory over all those things. I mean, Jesus, it says, was tempted in all points as we are, yet mm. without sin. Now, temptation for us comes from two modes, from without and from within. And if the, the, the fact that just blows my mind that the sinless Son of God could be tempted just as we are, yet without sin. But he is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the, uh, the author of um, salvation. It also says in the book of Hebrews. So everything that we've got to face has been faced already in Christ and he's obtained the victory. So even the enemy has already been defeated, but we've got to claim these things by faith. And the only way we can exercise our faith is by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And as that knowledge, as that truth comes into our lives, 
we can also claim those promises and be delivered and set free. Mm. And look, all of us struggle with sin and temptation, and Jesus has come to deliver us and save us. And that beautiful text you just uh, mentioned there in Luke chapter 4, where it says that the Spirit of God was upon Jesus to mm. deliver people, you know, to preach the gospel and to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recite to the blind and to deliberate those who are oppressed and, and so on. So we praise God for that. But obviously your testimony hasn't, hasn't stopped there. So you've got a, a, a ministry where if people need prayer, they can contact you. Uh, have you right. got, are you available on Facebook or websites? Or how do, how do people get in touch with you if they <laughs> want to contact you? I'm a little bit shy about all of that public media. Okay. I suppose it's by referral sometimes from a pastor or somebody who hears about us and okay. we and they come. Maybe God sends them. Hmm. In this sort of ministry, it's not really something that you offer others. They need to want it. They need to come sure. okay. because they're going, it's like they're repenting from perhaps their past. They might have to um, forgive because if we have unforgiveness in our heart, the enemy can take um, more, be more active in our lives. So mm. there's a whole, there's a whole lot of things, and it's it's interesting that as you as you surrender more and more to the Lord, those things from the enemy become more obvious, and you, and you don't you don't want them. You don't want them That's in right. your life. Yeah, now bitterness and inability uh, inability to forgive others who have wronged you mm. always comes back to that beautiful. Prayer, model prayer that Jesus gave his disciples, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's right. So that is part of the process. When the Spirit of God comes up, comes upon us and we receive forgiveness, mm-hmm. we cannot harbor that spirit of unforgiveness to others, not if we fully surrender to the Lord. And sometimes there's a little bit of a battle, you know, because self Absolutely. doesn't want to give those things up. But by surrender to Christ and asking him to take it away, he can take it away. But it does come with the surrender to Jesus. That's right. Mm. That's right. You know, something else that really helped on my journey too was understanding about having the Holy Spirit in my life. And yes. I remember having a, a special cooking day. So sometimes I have a cooking day mm. on a Sunday. And as I was just working there, I noticed that the family room was brighter than the sunlight outside would account for. And I felt drawn to the family room. And I went into the family room. And as I walked in there, my husband was outside mowing, I think. And I just sort of fell to my knees. It was like God's spirit showed up in the very room where I was delivered. He showed up again. And um, How long after the deliverance was this? I think this was probably about a year afterwards. Mm. And I just sensed the Holy Spirit and I was weeping before the Lord and I was just asking him to fill me with the Spirit. And this was even before I started to understand more about having the baptism of the Holy Spirit through a lot of the books that Pastor Dennis Smith has written. Yes. And I've come to understand that we have to ask for the Holy Spirit. Mm. I'd heard it before. Years ago at a women's ministry, the woman said she would just pray, more spirit, Lord, more spirit. But I I wanted the spirit and I wanted him to take hold of my life. I wanted him to give me the desires that God would want because sometimes in our humanness, we don't want to read the Bible. We We don't want to worship. We don't want to. But if we ask God to give us those things, if we genuinely want them, he will impart that to us. And as I've had that first experience that day and continually asked, mm. my testimony, my work, my ability to influence others spiritually is far more powerful as I surrender more and more of my life to him. 
And I've also understood too about the Bible. It's not just something we read. It's a living word. Mm. And we need to print it and put it around our house, on the back of the toilet door, wherever, and claim it out loud and speak it out loud. In fact, even when you're dealing with deliverance, the enemy can't read your mind. Mm. So you need to speak out. As Jesus, he spoke out. Yes. God created the earth through, through his word mm. in seven days. And God has given us the ability to speak out his word and claim it. It's a living word. Amen. Yes, the, the power of the word of God. I mean, we see God's word in action, as you mentioned, at creation. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. I think it's, it's Psalm 33 that brings that out. And to know that that power, that latent power, and I use the word latent, is in the word of God when we read it. But we don't access it until we believe it. Mm. So we access that power by faith. And if Jesus has made a promise to you, if you believe it and receive and expect God to do what he said he would, mm-hmm. you receive all the benefits with it in its train. And the other aspect you, grow, you mentioned as well is that, you know, we are to pray to receive the Holy Spirit because God's more willing to give the Holy Spirit to us than parents are to give good gifts to their children. That's right. So very important that we are filled. So even in the deliverance ministry, you know, Jesus talks about people who have been delivered, you know, and then what happens is, the spirit goes around in the wilderness and he can't find a place. And then he comes back. He says, I'll go back to the home that I'd been for previously. And he finds it clean, swept and placed in order. And then if it's still empty, he, of course, brings seven other spirits more wicked than himself. That's right. That's and right. that is why it's important that if you do go through a process like this, that you spend more time in prayer and study. And first thing in the morning is to rededicate your life to the Lord and receive a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And it's the only way that I can walk further in my walk with the Lord is to daily surrender to him, ask him to take over my life. Because Mm. even after I was delivered, even after I had a measure of the Holy Spirit, there was still some wrong thinking in me. I was still, and you know, my husband would understand that I was often looking to him to fulfill my needs. Mm. And that put a lot of pressure on him. We've been married 30 years next year, praise God. And God's done a wonderful work in Mm. his life as well. When he saw me delivered, he was changed miraculously as well mm. but I was still in some ways operating in my old way of thinking and God was still doing that work and gradually setting me free as I claimed his word and I looked to him yeah praise God it is a journey isn't it God hasn't revealed everything to us at an instant uh, mm. I think if I read from some of Ellen White's book she says that we wouldn't be able to bear it so God takes us on a journey and he's gracious and he's very gentle with us mm. to take us only as fast as we would go Absolutely. And, you know, for me, unfortunately, I would have liked to have gone a lot faster. But as I look back, my own stubbornness sometimes has caused me to, uh, to delay some of the things that God would like to do in my life. But I praise God for your, for your testimony in regards to that, the importance of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the importance of asking for it, the importance of claiming the, the word of God and the promises of God, and also the fact that you emphasized the power in the word of God. What we have is not just ink on a page. It's not just words on a page. It's actually... The, the, the Spirit of God that spoke through the prophets who wrote these down, and that same power is available to us. Amen. To and, conquer, you know, to conquer to the conquer, enemy. To yeah. conquer. And sin in our own life as well. 
You know, I can remember years ago saying I didn't want to be a pew-polishing hypocrite. You know, I'd been an Adventist in all my life, and but I felt something was missing. Mm. I wanted to have something that I couldn't even describe or understand. And I came yeah. to understand that I was missing um, the Spirit in my life, the Holy Spirit, and that, like John the Baptist said, you know, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm. Eddie, and the Lord has shown us that his time of coming is soon. The mm, prophecies amen. are happening. I just didn't want to be belonging to my church and not have something real. Mm. And I think that there are many people, perhaps in many churches, where they want something real. They want yes. to have victory over sin. They want to have a personal and intimate relationship with the Lord. Mm. They want to have this text in their heart that says in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, yes. trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. It's just such a beautiful text, but we can say these texts, but we want to live them and believe them Amen. and claim them wholeheartedly so that at every part of our day we are trusting in the Lord with all our heart. We give over every of our Every decision that we have, every thought that we have, every action that we have, we give it to him. And he mm. he lives in us. He changes us to be what he wants us to be yeah. as, as followers of Christ. It's Jesus living in us. Amen. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is the mystery of the gospel. And the mystery will be finished if you look at the book of Revelation just before the seventh trumpet is about to sound. So it's incredible that you, you're talking about that, uh, Lindy, because I think... I grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist Church as well. On my mum's side, we've, I'm a fifth-generation Sabbath keeper. I say Sabbath keeper because my great-great-grandfather kept the Sabbath before he knew about Adventists. He found it in the Bible. Wow. And um, just having been raised in the church, having good influences, there were also secular influences, and there were also what I would call lukewarm influences. If you look at the, the, the message to the last church, the seventh church in Revelation, and I always wanted something, and I put my focus on external secular things and relationships rather than putting it on the Lord. And I mentioned before, I didn't know that such a good relationship with God was on offer. I didn't realize how good it was. Mm. Because when we look at the package and we look to Jesus, the first time we look at it, it may not appear that attractive. It's not until you take the wrapping off and you actually look inside because the wrapping is plain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Jesus doesn't come with you know bells and whistles. Wrapping is plain when you untake it and then you taste and you see that the Lord is good. That's when you realize what an incredible privilege God offers each one of us. He wants that intimate relationship with us. Where Jesus says the Father and Jesus himself through the Holy Spirit will come and make their home with us. How intimate is that with the king of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, a person that's all-powerful yet gentle and loving? offers that relationship to us. And dear listener, if you're listening today, I hope you are blessed by listening to Lindy's testimony about what God means in her life and how you've he's delivered you from many things. And you know, deliverance comes in many forms. Mm. It could be just deliverance from uh, something that's an addictive habit. Absolutely. For example. And we all need that kind of deliverance. He's come to set the captives free, and we've all been captives and enslaved by our own sin. So, uh, Lindy, there's obviously more to your story. Um, well, I suppose we all have a story that just continues on, but I just feel so thankful to God that now the things of earth are growing strangely dim mm. because I don't want to be a foolish virgin. I've grown I'm up not, in this church I. Yeah. and I want to see Jesus. You know, I can't, I love him now like I've never even been able to express the sort of person that 
Jesus was, the sort of love that God has for us, his everything about the person of Jesus has is drawing me and mm. and I can't wait to see him and I'm I'm willing now whereas I wasn't perhaps before to give up the things of this earth I think sometimes we can be a church goer but we still want to have the latest clothes and a nice house and a new caravan and a boat and we want to have mm. all of those things and I'm I'm not saying those things are wrong sure. what I'm saying is that you know God wants all of us he mm. wants us to to be totally surrendered to him He's a jealous God, isn't he? But he's yes. a, this loving God that desires this intimate personal relationship with us. And it's through us. He's going to pour out his His spirit for the latter rain through us. And a great upheaval will happen in this earth. And it's only as we day by day choose to mm. walk with him. And mm. I've come to understand that in a, in a more powerful way. I, I, like you, also look forward to that day when God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. You know, the, the sons and daughters will prophesy and the old men will see visions. Mm. But we know that we can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit even now. The latter rain is something that lies ahead of us. And in my opinion, it can't be too far ahead. Mm-hmm. But we need to grow up in the fullness of the former rain, you know, and take advantage of the power that God gave his church from the day of Pentecost. Mm. And we just we lost sight because there was a falling away in the church, you know. And, and then the man of sin, of course, was revealed subsequent to that. This message is coming back, though, this message of the Holy Spirit, and it's being taught, and we're mm. understanding that we ask, we seek, and we knock. You know, he's, he wants us to ask, to seek him, and to knock. And why is Jesus standing at the door of our hearts in Laodicea? It's because we're not letting him in. He wants to come in, mm. and he wants to take over, and it's that great fire in us that will happen, that great light that will shine. But we need that former rain so that we can receive the latter rain. Amen. And the former rain is full of power. You know, Jesus says there in um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he tells his disciples to wait to tarry in Jerusalem until they receive the promise from mm. the Father. Mm. And then he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And Amen. then you'll be witnesses. So our witness will be effective when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and therefore the power of God is able to work through our testimony, is able to work what we do because it's no longer about our selfish motives, not about us and how we can grandstand or we can um, promote ourselves or our reputation. It's about Jesus and it's about his reputation and it's about his kingdom and sharing his love to the world that's dying around us. Mm. And mm. it's about being a disciple. You know, you can be a disciple when you have the spirit in you. If you ask Jesus to live in you, you can be a disciple to someone else and then they can go and be a disciple to someone Amen. else. Yeah, it's, got, it's supposed to be contagious and a good contagious it thing to, to pick up <laughs> from someone else. It is. Well, Lindy, thank you very much for sharing your testimony. We're just going to take a small break. And if people want to get our contact details, we'll just share them with you and we'll come back straight after these. Uh, short messages. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Etienne McClintock, and you are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony with Lindy Sperring. Lindy, just before the break, you were talking about Jesus knocking on the heart's door in the symbolism we see in the book of Revelation where the last church has Jesus standing outside the church knocking, wanting to gain access. Now, we, of course, are the people of the last day church, Jesus wants access, 
So what is it that sometimes prevents us from giving Jesus access to come into our heart? That's very interesting, Etienne, because it says in verse 17, because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you Mm. may be rich. So here we are. We don't sometimes recognize our need. And perhaps in my journey, I didn't recognize my need Mm. and I needed to um, buy gold. Yes, it says there in the text that you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. You think you're going along quite well. And I think that I thought I was going along well, even with this Mm. depression and and this wrong thinking. But then I realized that I I was in need of everything. I I wasn't... Being the Christian that God wanted me to be, I wasn't being the church person that God had in store for me, and so I needed to buy from Him. And part of that, of course, is recognizing your need. Yes. I recognize. I started to recognize my need, and then I had to turn to Him. And uh, as it says, you know, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm. I had to repent of some of my wrong thinking and some of my wrong behaviors, yes. and then God was able to set me free from Mm. the works of the enemy. The enemy will stay in our lives if he has rights. And I didn't want him to have those rights. And then I wanted to be filled with the Spirit. Mm. And And sometimes, like you're saying, we sometimes can give him rights to have access and we don't even know it until the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. And it may even come through the Word, reading the Word. That's right. That's Mm. right. And, you know, there's a text that I just love to to say to people and pray to people, and it's in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And that is my constant prayer now for others. Amen. Thank you very much, Lindy, for coming and sharing your testimony. I know that I've been blessed by hearing it, and I'm sure that our listeners out there would have been blessed as well. Dear listener, thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to catching up with you next time on By the Word of Their Testimony. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.